This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's going to be a very interesting show. I know that. Admiral James Chavides will be here talking about the historic Middle East deal that has another Arab Sunni Arab nation welcoming Israel. They exchange ambassadors and so much more. We'll find out what's next and why nobody wants to give the president any credit for that. Dave Caldwell will be with us. You know, there's all these stories about college bat, uh, college football just calling it quits, not the SEC and not some other conferences, but the Big East and Big 12, uh, Pac-12, apps, uh, Big 10 and Pac-12, they're out. But I want to find out how the pros are doing it. Uh, they Do they do the testing every single day? Are they going through camp without any preseason? What do they expect to happen on September 8th when their season begins? The GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars will be joining us, which will please all our listeners at WOKV in Jacksonville. So we have that. We have your phone calls, 1-866-408-7669. And we do know, too, um, that your emails are welcome at briankillme.com. So let's get to the big three. After 49 years, Israel and the United Arab Emirates will fully normalize their diplomatic relations. This is a truly historic moment. Yes, uh, and it caught me totally by surprise. What about you? The UAE joined Jordan and Egypt in establishing relations with Israel. It's amazing how extensive the media went out uh, to make sure the president did not get credit for this. I was even watching Sky News in England, and they were saying President Trump didn't play a major role in this. The problem is... Everybody else says he did that was actually there. What does this have to do with the Iranian deal the president just tore up? And Middle East nations, many more, are going to be coming to the peace parade. Are you still not going to give the president any credit? Number two. The sad reality is no one has done more to set back New York City than Donald Trump because he failed New York City and he failed America with his handling of the coronavirus. Mayor de Blasio, pathetic. Law and disorder. Americans getting fed up with the urban unrest, and now we know exactly who's to blame for it, and it's not the police. Over 50% say it's time to crack down on rioters in cities to decide who cities are now deciding to refund the police. We'll tell you which ones. Meanwhile, clueless politicians in Austin and Portland join New York and many others by cutting cops and the budget. How does this play out for your safety and the election? Number one. Every single American should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months at a minimum. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide starting immediately, and we will save lives. Politics and the pandemic. Biden plays president, uh, plays president, except for the part where, you know, you have to actually be president and we pretending like he actually had some power. And at the end, when you're president, you take questions. He did none of that. What he said and the state of the virus and his campaign. So the pre- basically, you had Joe Biden come out and say something we've heard over and over again for the last eight months. Only he wants to make it official. This country must wear masks. Cut one. Every single American 
should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months at a minimum. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide, starting immediately, and we will save lives. The estimates are we'll save over 40,000 lives in the next three months if that is done. As Ari Fleischer said immediately after an incident analysis, he said, really? I'm sitting alone in my house. I have to wear a mask. What if I'm on Montana on a ranch? I got to wear a mask. You're going to go tell the governors what to do nationally? Good luck with that. There are governors, 14 of which don't have max mandates, but they're encouraged to do it. But because this thing in America, as you can tell people, but you cannot demand because they do have their own rights. That was the president's point. Cut to. While Joe Biden would allow rioters and looters and criminals and millions of illegal aliens to roam free in our country. He wants the federal government to issue a sweeping new mandate to law-abiding citizens. He wants the president of the United States, with the mere stroke of a pen, to order over 300 million American citizens to wear a mask for a minimum of three straight months. I guess this just happened. He thinks it's good politics, I guess. So listen, he also went on to say 40,000 lives will be saved if everyone wore a mask. We're done with this. These projections, these models, these assumptions, almost none of them come true. He says everyone agrees. What does that mean? If If President Trump says everybody agrees or everybody says they go to town on him, this guy runs out of the room before getting a question. He has his new running mate just say, wow, now that's what leadership looks like. Oh, it wasn't just his running mate. Listen to the rest of the press respond and review what they just heard. Cut six. Can you imagine if just once that's what a coronavirus briefing from the White House came across like? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris made very clear today the difference between them and the current administration when it comes to the pandemic. What good leaders do is they are consistent in their public health messaging and they uh, say it over and over again and then they model it. And that's what Vice President Biden is doing. Biden and Harris just came out and did, I think, what a lot of people expected Trump to do, expected a normal president would do in a situation like this. Senator Harris put it perfectly. This is what leadership looks like. Uh, That's what leadership looks like in your mind. Sure. Joe Biden came out and said something we've heard over and over again the last eight months. That is called cheerleading. Congratulations. Just don't pretend like you're reporting. Don't pretend like you're analyzing. You are flat out cheerleading. So the president of the United States talking about 2020. His goal is to close the gap. He's basically ahead of where he was uh, against Hillary Clinton at this point. Now, there's going to be no huge rallies. There's going to be no convention, traditional convention. The DNC starts Monday. They're going to talk about how they got the world and country together. John Kasich and Michelle Obama are going to come out, and Bernie Sanders are going to come out, and they're going to say, we're united against Trump. Fine. No numbers are going to move. But I will say this. I think numbers are moving in the president's direction just slightly, and I think it's going to be even more. Uh, For example, uh, July 2020, here we go, 49-42. In May, it was 48-40 in favor of Joe Biden. He's still leading now nationally, which only means the mood of the country. In uh, June, it was 50-38, 12 points. In July, it was 8 points. And now it's 7 points. Now, here's the key. The question on the Fox News poll was, who do you think your neighbors are supporting? 39% say Trump, 34% say Biden, 20% says unsure. That's why that silent vote is so real for Trump. I'm not saying he's winning, but I do not think he's losing. 
by a lot. Now, trailing slightly in Pennsylvania, he was trailing by more on the Fox News poll to Hillary Clinton at this point. And the president always said, I'm not going to lose Pennsylvania unless they cheat. He didn't. And in Ohio, they have him down by one. Really? He won by eight last time. What's changed? More fracking? Was that, is that the problem? Less regulation? Is that your issue? We'll discuss that. So I think he's closing the gap. But I think he should stop with the personal attacks. Just go. There's plenty of Harris and Biden policy to talk about. And if they want to be nasty, you could point it out. But I just would stop. The, nobody's dumb. I'd stop with the dumb. Um, I'd, I'd stop with Joe Biden. Doesn't know what he's talking about. They just tell him what to say. I wouldn't say that. Let your surrogates say that. Let the congressmen and senators say that and build him up. So when you take him out at the debates, they, people wouldn't say that's a big surprise. So the other thing is urban unrest. We're seeing it in Chicago, seeing it in Portland, seeing it in Seattle, seeing it in New York, seeing it in Albuquerque, seeing it in uh, St. Louis. And now I don't see much in terms of pullback and pushback. But that is beginning to change. Over 50% of the country and 75% of Republicans say they're extremely concerned about urban decay and urban unrest and the violence. And in terms of New York, 13,000 13, available leases right now in New York. This is the most vacancy uh, in, I think, in 14 years. People are leaving in droves. And this ridiculous mayor says this. Cut 21. The sad reality is no one has done more to set back New York City than Donald Trump because he failed New York City and he failed America with his handling of the coronavirus. If we had had presidential leadership, we wouldn't be in the mess we're in right now. So let me just tell you something. I've, please don't buy this. Understand that de Blasio on Chinese New Year demanded people celebrate because the Chinese were under virus restrictions and couldn't celebrate themselves. Understand that he had no plan. Understand that the guy sleeps till 10, builds up security around, works out in Brooklyn, gets to work and sleeps with a paper on his face on his couch with the door open. Also understand that he got money. He got uh, converted. Thanks to the Army Corps of Engineers, converted Javits Center. He got ships. He had everything. The PPE was short for a while, but they were the first ones to get it, surge it. And they were the ones unprepared for it. The blame is on him in no indoor dining because of him, no gyms because of him. Now there's quarantines preventing people to come from the outside because of him. There's no encouragement for businesses to come back because of him. Yesterday, and I'll say this multiple times, I walked from 48th to 34th in Manhattan. If you've been here, you'll know. I did not see one person in a suit. Nobody's working. Nobody's shopping. And the doors are open. And Macy's is leaving, it seems. I saw the gap. Not one person in. Velvet ropes, people sitting by the door frames, nobody shopping. Bernie Carrick, cut 22. The mayor basically explains that he's right now he's saying it's COVID. Um, he's saying that people are leaving New York City in droves and moving to other states as a result of COVID. COVID is a virus. COVID is temporary. Nobody's going to leave their home, move out of New York City permanently because of a virus. Nobody's going to do that. But people are moving out of New York City because they're scared to death. Shootings are up. Mm. Robberies are up. Murder is up. All these things are happening over the last several months, and this mayor is doing absolutely nothing about it. You're 100% right, and there's got to be a scramble to open up these restaurants. Instead, there's a scramble to 
crack down on these restaurants, to crack down on gyms, to make sure you're not promoting a, a complete lifestyle responsibly. We've got to come back with Admiral James Javidas. I didn't discuss it now because I'll discuss it with him. Yesterday in the afternoon during our show, actually in the morning, we saw the president make the announcement with the U.S. ambassador to Israel and many others that uh, the UAE is normalizing relations with Israel as joining Jordan and Egypt, Sunni Muslim nations recognizing Israel. Look for more to come. The president's brokered these deals. He did it by ripping up the Iranian deal and showing allegiance to Israel, the exact opposite of the previous administration, who is now trying to take credit for it. Don't let him. Back in a moment. Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. After 49 years, Israel and the United Arab Emirates will fully normalize their diplomatic relations. They will exchange embassies and ambassadors and begin cooperation across the board and on a broad range of areas, including tourism, education, healthcare, trade, and security. This is a truly historic moment, not since the Israel-Jordan peace treaty was signed more than 25 years ago, has so much progress been made towards peace in the Middle East? Historic and the normalization of relations will begin and it'll be signed. Uh, it'll be signed, we believe, in the White House within the next two weeks. Joining us now to put it in perspective, a man who uh, knows that Persian Gulf region very well, Admiral James Charvitas, the 16th Supreme Allied Commander of NATO, author of Sailing True North, 10 Admirals in the Voyage of Character. So put this in perspective, Admiral, is this a big deal? Verging on a huge, verging on a huge deal. 
So let's take it strategically. This consolidates the Arab-Israeli alignment against Iran, which is a big deal for the United States. And that's why the Trump administration correctly has been pushing this one so hard. So strategically, it brings the Arab states in alignment against Iran. And in particular, Brian, look for other Arab countries to follow the UAE, in particular Bahrain and Oman, probably very quickly. The big prize, of course, would be Saudi Arabia, where the crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, has already given indications that he's leaning in this direction. So big strategic deal. And then tactically, this is very important down at the operational level, if you will, because UAE operates uh, a very capable naval fleet out in that Arabian Gulf region. They're now going to be working closely with Israeli intelligence, Israeli missile defense, Israeli cybersecurity. So there are real tactical security implications here. And third and finally, Brian, as the president said, this will open up, it sounds slightly crazy, but tourism. Uh, that's a big deal. Both UAE and Israel have huge tourist industries. It would be pretty pretty marvelous to see uh, those kind of exchanges alongside commercial, technical exchanges and the security. So, yeah, this is a big deal. So it is a big deal. And I expect it, you know, we always thought in the past you might get some popular unrest amongst the population. But the way I hear it, there there has not been a lot of pushback on that because Israel's considered, uh, you know, the they're the villain of the Middle East, according to so many uh, Arabs and Muslims in the Middle East. We're not getting we're not hearing about that pushback. Do you expect it? I do not. Um, this is what was called decades ago the Arab street. And it was the idea that whenever Palestinians were disadvantaged, and this is something of a disadvantage to Palestine, although it's important to note that the quid pro quo of the recognition is at least a pause in the settlements in the Western Bank, which is something the Palestinians want. But um, the Arab street has always reacted negatively, as in the common people, if you will, turning out the Arab Spring kind of mobs uh, whenever Arab-Israeli uh, condominium coming closer together was noted. Um, we're not seeing that at all. And frankly, it's because the Arab world has moved on to some degree from concern about the Palestinian issue, which at the end of the day is an important one, but it's a small one in the context of the region. When you compare it to the dangers that are coming out of Tehran. This is about Arabs versus Persians. Therefore, the Arabs right. see Israel as a powerful part of this. And walking away from that Israel, uh, the Iranian agreement uh, played to what the Sunni Arabs thought probably were, was an opportunity, and certainly it, it pleased Israel, and relations are pretty strong. So we yesterday, I understand, uh, the U.S. ships intercepted two tankers heading to Venezuela from Iran. They're now in Houston, how play play game plan this out? Are we going to be able to keep them because they were violating sanctions? Um, I think we could have a very strong case to hold them, and they will go through uh, a normal judicial adjudicative process here. And and frankly, Venezuela out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. 
His name is Jonathan, but you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Doesn't hold any cards here, and Iran doesn't hold any cards here. But uh, what we ought to worry about is an Iranian response against, say, an American tanker or a tanker of an ally of ours operating in the Arabian Gulf or the Indian Ocean. I don't think Iran is going to want to push it that hard, particularly in the run-up to a U.S. election, where I think President Trump would uh, smack them pretty hard. So look for those tankers to be stuck where they are. They were violating sanctions. We did the right thing taking them in. Uh, Admiral, can't thank you enough. Appreciate your instant analysis. Okay, Brian, talk soon. Bye. Absolutely. Admiral James Travitas joining us. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dave Colwell, general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Actually, when we come back, I'm going to have calls. In 15 minutes, we'll talk to Dave. Uh, I do want to get an, an idea of how the NFL is doing it. College football was doing it until the officials in the conferences decided to tank a lot of major conferences in the Big Five. So I want to find out, you know, can football make it? Are we expect this thing going to crash and burn September 8th? And then when we come back, we're also going to uh, take your calls. 1-866-408-7669. Brian Kilmeade Show. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. You know, the legitimate demonstrations, the First Amendment activity, the protests in the wake of Mr. Floyd's death have long since given way to violent uh, attacks, uh, efforts to tear down the system, violent attacks on the police, on federal courts, on police precincts by a small group of radical violent extremists whose agenda has nothing to do uh, with the, the, the death of George Floyd or protecting black lives and everything to do with a very radical agenda and creating chaos and trying to tear down the system. But think, think about it in so many different ways. Tear down the system. Okay, racial injustice. Let's address it. It's not the 1960s. You made progress. You want to make more? Let's do it. Let's talk about it. But since that time, the opportunity has been made to push forward on going easy on crime, criminal justice reform, which is translated to let people run wild and hold nobody accountable. So in retrospect, after we've witnessed this over the last two months, how do the American people feel? Well, like us, we are totally fed up with it. 75% of Republicans and 50% of likely voters say the police should be empowered to crack down on protests, according to Rasmussen. 38% disagree and believe the protests should be allowed to continue until the protesters decide to end them. Really? Have you seen Chicago? Have you seen the Occupy Zone in Seattle? Which which was now disbanded, but all the damage has been done. Have you seen three months of unrest in uh, in Portland? Are you kidding? 75% of Republicans, 47% of unaffiliated voters think it's wrong. And that's why I believe Chicago's attorney general is actually going ahead with prosecuting 45 of the 47 recommendations for charges after those looters over the weekend. And Minneapolis is forcing... Uh, as, as forcing their police to crack down to a degree. They are also doing something which is unconscionable. They are actually forcing riot-wrecked businesses to pay property taxes before getting permits to rebuild. Yeah, if they don't rebuild their city, where are you going to get your tax base? And let's keep going. 
Austin City Council, talk about the bad part about this, the clueless part about all this, the progressive part about all this. Their city council voted to cut police department's budget by a third. Now, you look on uh, George P. Bush's uh, Twitter feed and you see the video of just smashed in windows and parking garages. And he wrote, and I'll just paraphrase, that's what you get when you cut $150 million out of the city budget and blame cops for the problem. They are not the problem. Portland State will disarm campus safety officials. How are you going to feel if you're a parent sending a kid to college knowing there's going to be no one there to stop the next psychotic would-be killer? Here's the good news. The refund the police movement is happening in some um, level-headed cities like Fort Worth, Texas. They unveiled a fiscal budget with an increase uh, funding the police to the tune of $542 million. Houston, Texas, city officials passed a budget to give police an extra $20 million. San Antonio, an extra $8 million. In Missoula, Montana, an extra 3.4% of their budget. Charlotte, North Carolina, they've raised their fiscal budget. Honolulu, Manchester, New Hampshire, Washington, D.C., Des Moines, Iowa. Thank you. There is some hope. Let's go out to Missy listening online in West Virginia. Hey, Missy. Hi, Brian. We're going to have some truth bombs today. Number one, you can't afford health insurance. We're going to debunk that. If you're spending $5 a day on Starbucks coffee, you go out to the movies and dinner on Friday and Saturday night for $100 a pop. Do the math. That's $900 a month. You can afford health insurance because mine is $700 a month. If you can't afford, if you can afford to do those things, you can afford to pay for health insurance. Let's talk about illegal immigrants. Your house is your home, and people who you invite over and your friends, they come in your front door as guests. That's called the waiting list. That's called people who want to come to this country legally. Someone who jumps your back fence and breaks in through your window is called a burglar, okay? They, they don't want a better way of life. They want your stuff. Don't discern between the two of them and don't say one wants a better way of life when they just want your stuff. I hear you. Um, I think that this is basic. It kind of bothers me that this has to be explained. It bothers me that when people break up windows in a beautiful section of, of, of Chicago and they steal everything on the inside of that store, they say it's reparations and you can afford it. You have insurance and there's no hell to pay. Finally, the attorney general stepped up to do something in New York. Almost nothing's been done. Oh, excuse me. Check that. They've let Rikers Island empty out because of fear of coronavirus. So they put rapists and murderers on the street so they make sure they don't get sick in jail. It is nuts what's happening right now. And by the way, Donald Trump thinks things are so crazy. He thinks that places like New York are now in play. And he was quoted to tell the New York Post that says it's insane. We're trying very hard to win New York. And that'll be the first time since Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan won it. I'll bring down the taxes. I'll make sure New York City is safe. I mean, this is our cherished, our cherished diamond of the country. Yeah, it's a mess. And all these other places, Chicago, Seattle, Portland are a mess. And I just don't see it getting any better. And especially under this would-be Democratic administration, can you imagine if they get the Senate and the White House? People say less cops, less law enforcement, no tear gas, no riot control, no mounted police. Oh, yeah. And if you happen to steal something, there's going to be, well, maybe no hell to pay. You don't pay for anything. And you just blame it on the coronavirus, bad education, unequal education, or America is bad. Read the 1619 Project. That's really what the diff, that's really what you're choosing uh, between. I think it's also important to look at this DNC that starts on Monday. They're going to portray themselves as a unified ticket. 
Bernie Sanders, socialist, never accomplished anything in his life, but a big following. He's going to be on stage. Michelle Obama, classy couple, member of the most popular Democrats. She's going to be on stage endorsing, uh, endorsing their good buddy, Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who was passed over for Hillary Clinton and was encouraged by her husband not to run this time. Don't tell me there's not some tension there. Big political story about that. Next, John Kasich. I'm totally confused about John Kasich. He used to work here. He is a conservative. He deserves a lot of credit for balancing the budget, but he despises Donald Trump. He didn't like Donald Trump running. He hung in there till the end. He only won Ohio, where he was governor of, and a mildly popular governor and effective in Ohio. Didn't show up for the RNC, but was showing up for the DNC. What's also telling for me is that one of the rock stars on the left that is a lightning rod is 30-year-old Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Now, she has used her power and the squad's power to make life pretty tough for the speaker. But I thought they had a measure of understanding. Clearly not. When it was Barack Obama's turn to endorse all these congressional candidates, he did not endorse her. Noted. Number two, she was not even on the speaking list for the DNC. How can that be? If you're a unified ticket who wants to welcome all voices, why are you not putting her there? Wait a second. Under pressure, they put her in. You know what she's doing? A recorded one-minute speech. One-minute speech. What an insult. If I, I was her, and I don't agree with anything she says, but there's no doubting her social media popularity and her popularity with progressive Democrats. They're limiting her for a few reasons. One, they probably don't like her, but number two... They don't like Bernie either, but they respect Bernie's power. They are doing focus groups after focus group. And she is remarkably unpopular with independents and Republicans. She is a lightning rod. That is why they want to keep her distant. That is why the media is going out of the way to say that Kamala Harris is a moderate. Joe Biden is a moderate. And positions like no fracking, law and order, defund the cops— Remarkably unpopular, so they're not saying it. But this is what I find really diabolical, and that is they believe everything AOC is saying. They will try to do everything Bernie wants, and they will do it by, in their mind, perfect world, grabbing the Senate, getting rid of the filibuster, holding the House, getting the White House. All possible. I don't want it. You don't want it, perhaps, more than likely, but it's happening. And they jam this left-wing agenda down before you even know what's happening. They put together people to replace in the Supreme Court, if not trying to, to make it a, a larger number. They immediately replace two members of the Supreme Court, and they do it with simple majorities. That's what's at stake this election. Don't be, don't be fooled. This is not a moderate ticket. If they've been moderate in the past, that's the past. They will pretend to be moderate to get the independents and defected uh, anti-Trumpers. But when they get power, you will not see nothing but the dust of what was America in terms of law and order in the major cities, in terms of oil and gas and us being the new Saudi Arabia of oil and gas and of natural gas. We are it. It will begin to stop. By the end of four years of Joe Biden's administration, it will be gone. And you know what's going to be gutted to get the money to fund these programs? Defense. Mark my words. Do not be fooled. This is not a moderate, unified ticket. Republicans will not be heard. That's why they're going out of their way from the New York Times to the Washington Post to Politico to say, look how moderate they are. Don't be fooled. You know what matters in news? Sports. 
Why aren't there fans? Because of the pandemic. When are they going to be fans? When football starts. The Cowboys said it. The NFL will play, just no preseason games. I'm stunned to see how many major college programs and rising programs have not even put together an attempt to have a season. What does that mean for the draft? What does it mean for the league? We're going to talk to Dave Caldwell every day who's negotiating with the pandemic, COVID-19, testing, and trying to get a team stood up uh, to play at a high level, and that is the Jacksonville Jaguars. The NFL, the challenges straight ahead. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's sad someone would even make a statement like that. And, you know, to uh, we need uh, football, and I think all the players like to play football. You know, there are so many things that can happen to these young athletes that's not playing. Just think you're sending them back into these areas because if they don't have school, you're sending them back into these areas where now the local officials there now have become lawlessness where crime is breaking out. Herschel Walker weighing in last night, uh, you know, the former Cowboy Viking who was a Heisman Trophy winner out of Georgia. He thinks these guys should be playing. And he says if you can't handle the, you haven't even handled the concussion issue yet, you're still going out in the field. They're, so far they've shown in their practices they can do this. The players should have had a vote. Dave Caldwell joins us right now, general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got his hands full making sure his team can play football and they go through protocols on a daily, ba- on a, on a daily basis. Uh, Dave, welcome back to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. So, Dave, here you are a few weeks in. What role has COVID-19 played in your practices? What, what, can you give us an idea, give the listeners an idea of what the players and coaches go through every day? Well, uh, fortunately, it hasn't played a role for us at, at this point in time. And, and for those of, of you that are following the Jacksonville Jaguars, we've had, um, you know, when we first came in, we had a, a handful of guys test positive. Um, and uh, we were able to quarantine those guys uh, quickly and, and following the protocols and, and knock on wood, we haven't had uh, an outbreak uh, internally since. And, uh, you know, it starts with a daily daily testing and, and uh, the swab of the nose, which uh, can be invasive depending on who your tester is. Uh-huh. And, um, and uh, as you go through that, um, you know, you have a questionnaire, you have to fill out temperature scan on a daily basis and go through there. And, and uh, I give a lot of credit to our players, our coaches, and our staff, and uh, everyone's following the protocol and, and following uh, the guidelines outside the building, too. So 109,000-plus tests in the NFL, players and coaches and staff so far. 0.46 have tested positive, only, and 0.81% have tested positive uh, on the player's side. That's so far so good. Now, uh, Dave, what are you setting up the Jaguar? What are you told, and how have you set up a bubble, or are the players just going home? Uh, right now, we gave the players an option. Uh, we would house them at, at our team hotel if they wanted to do that. And um, and by the NFLPA and the league um, negotiated that, or they could go home. And uh, we're about split 50-50. Most of our young guys are rookies, and guys that we just brought in recently are staying at the team hotel. And uh, some of our veterans are, are going home to their families, like myself and, uh, and some of our coaches, too. Uh, here's what your coach said, Doug Marone, cut 43. We kind of went uh, more towards the interactive meetings now. We're practicing the physical distance. You know, we're not together as a large group except for, you know, really when we're on the field. And that's what you guys are going to see tomorrow. So, or when you guys come out. I think if someone came out and watched practice, I, I don't, 
you know, you'll see, you know, mask and things of that nature. I think, you know, you'll pick up on that, but I don't think it really probably does the justice of, you know, all the protocols that are really going on inside, you know, the building and everyone's done a good job. I think that, um, you know, everyone's, you know, protecting each other. So, so Dave, are you worried about the quality of football without preseason and without the typical practice? Well, I'm anxious to see how it looks, but uh, as of right now, uh, it's kind of business as usual on the field. So our, our players are getting good reps and, and we're building them up short, uh, slowly, but surely. Uh, we, obviously we would like to see some live bullets and coach Brown has that plan and he's got a good plan of, you know, we're going to just have to do it internally and, and put guys in, in game type of situations uh, where, where they, they're stressed a little bit. Interesting. Uh, so I guess it's a, the whole thing is a challenge uh, for you guys in particular, you have to worry about the next generation of Jaguars and a draft what do you think about what's taking place with all these conferences canceling? We're just going to have a shell of a college season. How do you judge talent? Well, uh, we're going to have to go uh, rely on the guys that have a, a track record and a history of playing and uh, really focus on those. We've ever evaluated probably about three, 400 guys that uh, are, are off of their junior film already that we normally do on this time of year. Uh, so we're going to just have to keep digging on those, those players and see where the rest of uh, the NCAA is and, and what teams play and, and that the teams that don't, I mean, personally, it, it's uh, my heart breaks for the athletes and my heart breaks for the coaching coaches at not only at the division one level, but the division two and three level, obviously that that's a soft spot for me saying I did play division three football. Um, but you know, you love to play the game and, and you, 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 um, you contribute so much of your time and effort to uh, getting ready for your season, and and it's a shame for the players, and, and you don't like to see them uh, miss out on these opportunities. And you see Trevor Lawrence speak up and say, "Hey, wait a second, we should have a voice in this," but they don't have a voice in this. To be honest, here's your quarterback Gardner Minshew speaking out about the importance of college. Cut forty four. Yeah, it was huge for me. You know, without that year at Washington State, I wouldn't have been drafted. I probably would have gone undrafted. Um, so it was truly a blessing. Like couldn't imagine having, if I wouldn't have had that, don't know, you know, my life would have been way different. So definitely a fortunate, blessed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I'm extremely grateful for where I am. Um, and I hate it. It makes me hate it that much more for those guys uh, that are in that situation this year. I mean, would you encourage if you had a player to try to play in, in the SEC or one of the conferences they're going to play, do you look for that to happen? Like people just transferring? Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, we're tracking players right now where there are some players that transferred from the SEC to different conferences, the Big Ten, Big 12, and now they've canceled their season. Now they're looking to transfer back to the SEC. So, you know, I think, um, you know, players want to play, and um, it seems like from from all reports, and uh, I think that there's going to be a certain amount of players that are going to be able to do that and transfer, and then there's going to be players that uh, are just going to not have a spot. Dave, for you, how much has been a bit advantage to have former head coaches like Jay Gruden on your staff and Ben McAdoo helping Doug Marone? Well, I think for Coach Marone, it's been invaluable. And, um, you know, obviously, uh, Coach Marone's uh, been a head coach for a long period of time, not only in the NFL, but in the college level. Um, but I think to have uh, the offense and to have that leadership in our offense is going to be something that we have not had to had here in, in the last uh, handful of years. How many, how many fans, how many tickets are you going to sell for September 13th? You'll be at home against the Colts. Well, right now, I believe it's going to be quarter full. Uh, I haven't checked with our uh, business ops people to see where we're at from a um, 
supply demand uh, aspect. But uh, from my understanding is that uh, a lot of season ticket holders still would like to to come to games. So uh, I think they're working through that right now. That'll be great. That'll be somewhat normal to see somebody in the stands without being a cutout. Baseball's kind of surreal. General Manager <laughs> of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, trying to make the best fit, Dave Caldwell. Thanks so much. Thanks, Dave. Uh, best of luck. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Brian Kilmeade here. Thanks so much for listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. We're coming to you from New York City, but heard around the the country. And one thing I wanted to say, if you're in New York City, and just to give you an idea, being this is the number one city in the country in terms of uh, per capita, in terms of real estate, uh, yesterday, I just want to be aware. I just usually am in a rush when I get out of here. i got to weave through a crowd, MTV shows, trying to get down to Penn Station, which is on 34th. I'm on 48th. I walked yesterday and I could not believe that I was the only person on my train and on the streets 12 blocks in a suit nobody's working nobody's there is nobody working here I'm talking and if this is like your city this is almost panic time and then I saw this stat from Douglas Elliman which is a usually a big real estate firm maybe the biggest in uh, in this area maybe in the country I'm not sure a record high, 13,000 apartments are empty in Manhattan, the most in 14 years. Rent prices obviously are plummeting because of that. And it just goes to show you, they were uh, you can't fill a lease commercially. You can't fill an apartment residentially. This is panic time. And it's not up to the federal government to bail you out. This is bad leadership all around. Please understand what party put you here. Let's get to the big three. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. It is. And that's the President of the United States surprising me and maybe you. The UAE joins Jordan and Egypt in establishing relations with Israel. It's amazing how extensive the media went to not credit the president for bringing this together. What this has to do with Iran and the deal that was destroyed and other Middle East nations likely to join the peace parade. The sad reality is no one has done more to set back New York City than Donald Trump because he failed New York City and he failed America with his handling of the coronavirus. Uh, Don't believe it. Don't accept it. Law and disorder. Americans getting fed up with the urban unrest and they know exactly who's to blame. And it's not the president and not the police. Over 50 percent say it's time to crack down on rioters in cities and 75 percent of those are Republicans. Refund the police is beginning to spring up in cities. I'll go over that. Meanwhile, clueless politicians in Austin and Portland join New York and many others by cutting cops in budgets. Every single American should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months at a minimum. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide starting immediately and we will save lives. What passion. Uh, Politics and the pandemic. Joe Biden dresses up and plays president, except for the part where you're actually president and especially the part when you actually take questions to back up your decisions. Uh, He doesn't do that. 
what he said and the state of the virus and campaign and what Trump said in retort. And that's where we'll begin. Let's bring in Geraldo Rivera, uh, located in another location. Uh, Geraldo, you don't have to deal with this mess in New York or Chicago or Portland or Seattle or St. Louis or Albuquerque. But it's, it's trending up all over the country. If you're the president, how do you make it clear that this is what life will be like if the other guy wins? Well, first of all, Cleveland is one of the cities that have been uh, targeted by the federal government for additional help to quell our spike in violent crime. Like most big cities, uh, we have uh, reached our, 19, our 2019 level of homicides wow. already. It's only uh, mid-August. Uh, you know, and uh, we have months to go before we sleep. But I, I think that what has to be recognized is that urban America is experiencing uh, this surge of violent crime unseen in decades. This is a crisis. And the question is whether or not two parties can get together uh, to save the uh, the urban American population from uh, a civil war that is claiming Hundreds of lives. I mean, it's Friday now, Brian, uh, around 10 o'clock in the east. Uh, uh, soon we'll be getting the tally from Chicago, the, the weekly weekend body count. It's like Vietnam. You know, last week it was four dead, 40 shot. And that's uh, on, on top of the rioting that ravaged the, uh, the Miracle Mile and, and so forth. I think that uh, there has to be a recognition by both parties, and the Democrats have to wake up and understand that, yes, we have an awful, awful situation with the COVID-19 epidemic that must be dealt with. And hopefully our scientists are on track with their therapeutics uh, that are be first in line. And then uh, hopefully by early fall, the, uh, the beginning of the vaccine distribution. Uh, but if they don't see, if the Democrats don't see right before their eyes, because these are largely Democratic cities, uh, not exclusively. I mean, Miami, for instance, is run by a Republican mayor. But uh, generally speaking, these are Democratic cities that are being absolutely ravaged uh, by a circular firing squad in which uh, young black men are killing young black men, and uh, and Black Lives Matter and other activist groups are absolutely obscenely silent about it, Brian. Well, or they're taking part. And in, in the spokesperson of the Chicago Black Lives Matter said this is part of reparations. Good luck with that. Meanwhile, the Rasmussen did a poll. 75% of Republicans uh, say uh, that this, these riots have to come to a halt. 47% of unaffiliated voters think the police should crack down. Now, get this. Only 31% of Democrats agree. 56% of Democrats say protests should be permitted to continue until the protesters want to end them. I mean, we're in a parallel universe here. Well, we are. And the sad thing is that it is all about politics. It's not about lifestyle, quality of life. I mean, you what do you mean by that? I don't, I don't know what we, you mean by that, because it is. It's affected every area of our lives. We, we spoke this morning about what is happening in the real estate market in, in New York and with the vagrancy and the homeless camps and the other uh, quality of life crimes that are now routinely committed. Uh, there is, there is a, a diminishment of the quality of life that is destroying uh, the, uh, the, the boom we had in urban America. New York City is an example, my hometown, uh, 
boomed uh, in the in the last uh, before the de Blasio administration, but even in the beginning of the Blasio administration, it still had the the, glo- the gloss, the uh, the the rosy outlook that uh, Giuliani and Bloomberg created in creating a safe city. When you have a safe city uh, that has great attractions, then it becomes a world center. But I lived through the 1970s. I lived. Uh, I was in New York in 1990 when uh, there were 2,200 homicides, as compared to 350 or 400 today. Uh, those were grim times. You couldn't sell an apartment. Uh, you you couldn't move uh, your young uh, uh, your children. Uh, no, I don't. Children, you couldn't move them into New York. It was a jungle. So I, I get it. And the thing is, uh, they are. She, he's, uh, Mayor De Blasio is blaming the president's handling of the pandemic. But what you're seeing now is nobody's coming back. Well, you know, whether it's uh, Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan, or th- obviously there's no indoor dining despite the rate of infection being below one percent, and no gyms are open, and there's no tourists. So you combine that, literally nobody's working. Thirteen thousand empty apartments, a fourteen-year high, and I don't know anybody who says I'm just taking a break. They are gone. So uh, so this is this is a big deal. Now, the president on the cover of The New York Post today says New York is in play. I, I, that might be a stretch, but let, let me just say my apartment on 89th Street, uh, you know, it was a wonderful apartment in terms of the view, spectacular everything. I did not have a balcony, however, so I would have been trapped in there had I stayed, have uh, Eric and I stayed in New York. We would have been trapped on the 40th floor of our apartment. The pool in the building is closed. The uh, the gym in the building still closed. I mean, the the folks there, there's, a, there's COVID in the building. There's a feeling of being uh, isolated and, and being being trapped. They're trapped in many ways. They're trapped socially because, uh, yeah. uh, you, you know, some of the requirements, uh, as you described, no inland di- inside dining, Broadway, dark. Uh, now they, they're not going to turn on the lights on 9-11 it, it, as a symbolic. Wait, wait, I think you got to back up for everybody else. What happens is on the world and on, on the Twin Towers where they stood, we have these huge lights that go up into the sky that obviously you know what that means. And it means so much to the city. They say it's going to have. We only need too many workers to come in that could get infected, so we're not going to do it. Meanwhile, we see the scaffolding on our building. We see these workers shoulder to shoulder. They're building tons of stuff on cranes and uh, and residential and commercial. That 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 is a that is a horrendous, timid decision, which I think is just to sow more unrest uh, with the public, make people feel more as if there's got to be a change. On November 3rd. Timidity is one thing, Brian. Spite is another. This smacks to me of a spiteful decision to stick it to President Trump. And it is something that uh, New Yorkers will sorely miss. Those were beacons of, of hope and resolution and patriotism and togetherness and community. So many of us lost friends and neighbors on that awful day uh, when uh, the Twin Towers went down, and it was a mass grave in New York, still is in some ways, uh, a mass grave. And, and, to, and to, to shut down that, that one celebration, that one, uh, you know, defiant symbol to everybody, you can't beat us, we remember Never again. I, I think that is uh, is one of those moves that if it is if it traces back to De Blasio, it's yet another stain on what is already perhaps the worst mayor 
uh, mayoralty in in the history of the world. You asked about uh, 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 Trump's chances in New York. I, I like that he's on the offense rather than the defense. It's a stretch, though. Uh, you know, George W. Bush came closest. He got almost 40 percent of the New York state vote. It's a very, very heavy concentration of Democrats, obviously concentrated uh, in New York City and in uh, Buffalo, some of the in Rochester, the other uh, big cities, the suburbs. I think Trump can win. Right. Uh, he'll win. He'll win your county, Suffolk County. Uh, he'll win. Uh, Nassau will be uh, maybe tougher. Staten Island in New York City, he'll win that. But the other four boroughs, he'll right. lose resoundingly. Uh, Hillary won it by over 20. And I think Trump can trim that, and I like his attitude that he's fighting for it. I think uh, there's going to be a lot of absentee ballots or no voting. I just want to bring you to something else. Overall, uh, the president closed the gap by one nationally. We know what that means. I just look for trends on that on the Fox News poll. And listen to this. This AP reporter, uh, Jonathan LaMare, said this about what's happening with this race. Republican strategist I was talking to the other day saw that the, you know, this is before, to be clear, the Harris announcement, but saw some trends uh, in internal polling on the Trump campaign suggests that they've, they've closed the gap at least a little bit in some of these states. Arizona, four points. That's a, that's a manageable d- deficit, they feel. Uh, and the question that was posed to me was, well, it's not that the focus here shouldn't be that Joe Biden is winning. The question, the focus should be on why isn't Joe Biden winning by more, considering just what a dismal by any measure six months uh, this president has had. And I think some of that, of course, is just the inherent nature of the electorate. Things are, you know, we're so polarized and the country is so gripped with partisanship. Uh, but they feel like the Trump campaign, they know they're down, but they feel like they are still within striking distance. And I, and I see it in Ohio, uh, the numbers, and I see it in Minnesota. The last poll I saw in Minnesota, they were within one point in Minnesota. He's up in one poll I saw in Arizona within one point, and he's up in North Carolina, trailing by an inordinate amount in Florida, I think seven, which I don't see that holding up. So this is very similar to 2016. Final thought, Geraldo? My final thought is that uh, Trump has bottomed out. He's now on the, on the way back. The more you see Joe Biden, even in that heavily scripted mandatory mask uh, uh, event he had with uh, the vice president, uh, his designated vice president, Kamala Harris, uh, he seems so frail. He seems so, uh, you know, uh, so heavily scripted, so controlled and so contained. And, and, uh, you know, it just seemed that it was a mouth moving and (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. They were ex- policy experts uh, filling in, uh, you know, uh, give, providing the voice. I, I think that it, the worst is yet to come for the Biden campaign. It seems to me that uh, Trump is on the move and his energy uh, is uh, indefatigable. Uh, he is, uh, he, you know, you, we know him. He's a, he's a font of, uh, he's like the uh, old faithful. He's blowing now. And uh, if he keeps his energy up uh, right through November, Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be very hard to beat. I think. Yeah, the only problem is he can't have the rallies that he wants. He's got to do it smaller, responsibly, but do it. Go hit the battleground states and fight it out because Absolutely. Harris is going to be the one fighting. Biden won't. That's pretty clear. Hey, Geraldo, always great to talk to you. Now your you mission too, is to have a great weekend. Yeah, thank you, brother. All you right. too. Best of luck. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the hour, Adam Goodman's going to be with us. He's a he's a, a He's a, I would say, Republican strategist, although he does work for Democrats, too. Uh, he's going to talk about this matchup, the fighter against the forfeiter. That was the headline of his column that caught our attention. But next is your phone calls, one 408 Do you think New York's in play? Brian Kilmeade Show. Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details.
That is correct. And if you do vote in person, you'll have to do what we call provisional voting because the folks won't necessarily know at the voting location whether or not you actually already mailed a ballot in. That's what we did in the primary. A little bit more cumbersome, but it works. So that is Governor Murphy saying essentially, Allison, that what, we're going to have mail-in voting in New Jersey? Yeah, the mail-in voting, you can go to vote in person, but yeah, everyone's going to get a ballot sent to their house. So everyone gets a ballot. That's exactly what the president does not want. Uh, That's exactly what I personally worry about a lot. That means that you do not have to verify your address. They're just going to flood your apartment building, your house. They assume you still live there over the last two years, and they're going to hit you with a ballot. And who's ever in that house gets to fill it out and mail it in. And if you show up in person, it's provisional. Wow. So that's in case you don't have anything on record to vote. So if they, they, they think about this. So if I get a ballot and I don't mail it in, I show up in person. The provisional is only if they don't have any other votes to count. So if I never got a ballot, I'm on the sideline then because provisional ballots are only used in case of a hang-up or a tie. Uh, a tie that usually means there's a problem with the ballot. We only use that in case of emergency, and then it goes under additional scrutiny. So now I'm being penalized if I show up. What if I moved? Unbelievable. This is the problem. Piera is on. Listen, watching on Fox Nation. Hey, Piera. Hi, Brian. How are you? Tell the tyrant governor that it will not work. They're still trying to figure out the primaries. There's still challenges going on from the primaries. And his, his statement that it's, you have a better chance of getting struck by lightning than finding fraud in mail-in voting, have him give us proof. There's plenty of blatant examples of fraudulent voting. I hear and you. now that the post office workers union is backing Biden, no one should be able to trust the post office to deliver anything. If the governor actually waived his ability to do an executive order on this when he walked arm in arm with protesters and not worried about spreading anything, if people are worried about going to the ballots, they can order an absentee ballot where there's at least some. Thank you. you we 100 percent agree. The protesters, the looters, I don't really think they were socially distanced as they were committing crimes. And when they protest every night, I see some masks, but little. You're going to tell me in Portland they're worried about that? No condemnation there. Uh, Yeah, it doesn't seem to work out. Anthony Fauci doesn't really condemn them. Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. For a fact, there is a silent majority. We saw this in 2016. We're seeing it again in 2020. I actually thought that point in the poll was one of the most interesting ones uh, that I had read, uh, because I do think that there are so many people out there, and especially when I'm on the road, I'm actually in Wisconsin tonight, uh, and uh, you talk to the people out there, and many of them, I call them the Trump whispers. They basically come up to you and say, I'm going to vote for Donald Trump, but they don't say it loudly. Well, that is... uh... Mercedes Schlapp, you know, her and Matt are working hard for the president. She actually worked for the president. Now she's working for the campaign. Uh, and she is on a bus trip with Lara, with Lara Trump. And they're spreading the word, trying to go get to the, the heartland, try to get to the battleground states. And now the president's going to be doing it himself, as will 
Kamala Harris, but not Joe Biden. So far, not really. Uh, joining us now is is political expert, political operative. He's an expert. Mostly he runs for the right, but if for the right candidate, he'll help you win a seat uh, for the left. He's a national Republican media strategist and the first Edward R. Murrow senior fellow at Tufts University's Fletcher School. Adam, Adam Goodman, welcome back. Great to be with you again, Brian, as always. Hey, uh, Adam, so first off, look at this. I wanted you to get your take on this matchup. The numbers seem very similar Trump against Clinton. In fact, he was actually doing worse against Hillary Clinton at a similar time in 2016. Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And I, I was listening carefully to what Mercedes uh, Schlapp said as well. And, there, and she, she and you are right. We've, if you look back at 16, I actually penned a column in, in the spring of that year predicting Trump would win based on the fact uh, that there's a silent majority that was going to show up uh, that was voting uh, basically uh, to take on the system, to take on the establishment, to change kind of the way things were going, uh, and would never be reflected into election day. But if you even take the current polls, Brian, at face value, and I saw the last Fox polls, Fox polls saying uh, there is a seven-point uh, gap between Joe Biden and Donald Trump on the head-to-head national poll. Well, if you look at, if you take away New York and California, you're down to basically two or three points. Uh, and if you look, if you to consider what's really happening right now, it is Donald Trump versus COVID. When the campaign becomes Donald Trump versus Joe Biden, uh, similarly to what happened with Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton, you have a whole nother dynamic in play. And with three debates in the offing, uh, where 80 million plus Americans will likely tune in, you're into a, a show that can change the, the polls overnight and allow the silent majority to become a little less silent. What role does the civil unrest have? Pandemics, one, get it. But what about the civil unrest that is not subsiding? Uh, I think it bothers a lot of people that what was started as a legitimate protest uh, has devolved into a, an excuse for lawlessness. And the more worrying thing is when you look at, say, three cities, Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, three mayors, uh, all fairly uh, liberal, uh, who first tried to appease the mob, and then they tried uh, to uh, to try to take on the mob to some degree by pushing back uh, on police, the need for police. They all got hammered, all three of them. Uh, so the mob really only understands one thing, Brian. It is 100% fidelity. If you're not there 100%, you're against them. And that is starting to uh, not just worry uh, the rest of America. It is a sign, I think, of the times that the campaigns, uh, respective campaigns for president, are going to have to address. And that is where I believe the president of the United States will have very strong and late foot in this race. Like how long, if you were, if you were coaching, working with Joe Biden, he leads in most polls in most battleground states, having to, and knowing that the pandemic is the issue that's hurting the president the most. Would you be leaving him out of the fray so much? Would you be actually keeping him from questions? And if so, how long can you do it? Well, we've had a virtual campaign to date. What Joe Biden would prefer is that that continues until November 3rd. But America can't be rooting for and voting for a virtual president. We need whoever it is that is auditioning to lead to get out there, put boots on the ground and be willing to, de- to defend where they want to go including their record of the past and the record itself with Joe Biden. Everyone says, well, everyone knows Joe Biden. Very few people remember 
the cuts on Social Security, his uh, votes on foreign policy, his bad trade uh, deal support for, for NAFTA, his softness in terms of border security, uh, his softness in terms of our allies in NATO, like let's keep paying for everything and let them um, use that money to defend all. And of course, there's the economy, uh, because uh, Joe Biden stands for everyone gets a piece of the pie, whether they deserve it or not, whether they work for it or not, whether they're entitled to it or not. So until we get to that race of Trump versus Biden, Right now, as I said before, it's Trump versus COVID. It's a close race. But when it's Trump versus Biden, it isn't. And that's what Biden's operatives, Brian, understand uh, more than anything. And they're going to do everything they can to avoid the toe-to-toe confrontation that aggressive America wants to see. So you just know this. You got two hit books coming out. Bob Woodward, maybe a little less of a hit book than his last one. And then you got Michael Cohen. Uh, You had his, uh, his niece come out with a book. Does this stuff hurt him? Uh, does it hurt the president? Yeah. Not at all. I mean, America has already made a judgment about the president of the United States on those fronts. And I don't care if there are two more books or there are 200 books that come out between now and November 3rd. It won't move the needle at all. And frankly, if, it, if books come out the other way against Joe Biden, I'm not sure that's going to move that much as well. What America wants to see is leadership um, – that works and they want to they want to get a sense of in a pandemic and with the economy somewhat teetering who is it that can hit the ground running and fight for what needs to be done and the piece that you probably saw i just uh wrote talked about this being a, a confrontation between a fighter and a forfeiter between an outsider and an insider and the fact that brian back in 16 not that long ago America voted for someone to take on the establishment, change the rules, and make America work as well as make America great again. How is it that three and a half years later, we now want to turn you know, 180 and go back to a consummate insider whose greatest achievement has been his ability to climb up the political ladder? Adam Goodman, our guest, uh, political strategist. Uh, Adam, there's something else going on I find fascinating. They have gone out of their way to tell everybody that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are moderates. She's a moderate. She's a moderate. She's a moderate. AOC did not get Barack Obama's endorsement and will have one minute taped, uh, taped speech. One minute. If the squad has so much power and get so much uh, and get so much press, why do the Democrats suddenly feel as though they have to be sidelined? What do they know in their polling, in their focus groups, that we don't? They, they know this. Joe Biden, most people in America believe that Joe Biden is really not going to be the one running government if he were elected. So we're looking more intently about who is around Joe Biden. And it goes far beyond Kamala Harris, who has a lot to answer for in terms of her own record. It goes to everyone else that's going to be pushing like crazy if Joe Biden gets into the White House to make the progressive left kind of the champion ideology of America. That's where AOC and the squad is going to come out, come at uh, the president at that point full bore. They're going to want to have nothing uh, but what they're demanding in terms of, you know. um, Yeah, they'll take it over. Climate change, they'll take over. So who is really pulling the strings? I think you have to ask that with Joe Biden as opposed to Donald Trump. He's he's pulling his own strings. But, Adam, they know they, know they this is what's so uh, so evil about this. They know that America doesn't want that extreme left wing agenda, but they're keeping it locked away and it will be jammed down our throats. 
under the guise that you elected two moderates who are going to be more traditional than the disruptor that we put in the White House over the last four years. But if you do the get rid of the filibuster and take the Senate, you are going to see this country change on a dime. This is not just a watershed campaign. We always say, oh, this campaign for the future. This is the campaign of the century because if the Democrats were to take over uh, all of Congress and the White House, I'm telling you what you just laid out, Brian, is an absolute certainty. The, The stock market, the economy, I think will take a big hit. And all of America would wake up the day after with buyer's remorse, understanding that COVID had covered up the tracks of two liberal Democrats who suddenly were going to have a, uh, their way in a free store uh, to do whatever they want to change all the rules, including allowing what we see in America's cities to not only continue but flourish. Adam Goodman, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Always my pleasure. Take uh, care, Brian. Adam Goodman, uh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Those are the insight. what's going on. Don't believe what you hear. I don't know why, why the New York Times, why the Politico, why the Washington Post came out and was so determined to tell us that Kamala Harris – Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are moderates. What what America will be like will not be something that will be nuanced different. It'll be dramatically different. Okay, things will be more normal. There won't be inflammatory tweets and Scaramucci won't be called out one day and and maybe Bill Maher the next. I get that. That's probably never going to happen again, and I won't miss that. But in terms of a conservative agenda that puts America first internationally and domestically, you don't understand. These businesses aren't kind of coming back. We're not going to bring manufacturing back. Trade deals aren't going to be redone. We're not going to have a, a Navy that's going to be able to stand up to China. We're not going to have a military that's going to get the respect of Russia. All that stuff will change. The stuff that bothers you about Trump, you're going to realize if he doesn't win again, it didn't matter. We were heading in the right direction prior. To the pandemic. one 866 I'll take some calls and so much more. And by the way, at noon, if you're watching Fox News Channel, I'm going on outnumbered, so I want you to join me there. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The whole thing is a mess. In fact, Carolyn Maloney's opponent is, he's gone crazed. He said they took the election away from him, and he may be right. I think they should redo that election. And if you look at Virginia... It's terrible. Look at some of the things that have happened in California. Look at California, where they found a million non-eligible voters. That was done by Judicial Watch, Tom Fitton and Judicial Watch. We have to have an honest election. Now, New Jersey has become the ninth state to have pure mail-in voting. They say it's a hybrid model, but it's really not. I'll read you what Governor Murphy of New Jersey just said on uh, CNN. He says, we're going to announce... Uh, we're going to announce later today that we're going to be extend the model, and he can't even speak, extend the model into the general election in November. You know the stupid model they had that didn't work during the primary process? We're going down to my words. Now back to his words. We're going, to, we're going to, most importantly, we've learned some lessons, including we're going to have more presence of draw a secure drop boxes. Make sure that the physical in voting capacity as it relates to mail-in ballots. The good news is in the general election, it doesn't matter what the party you're in. Everybody gets a ballot. So we're going to have a hybrid model in November. We'll like what we saw. We'll tweak it. And that's where we're heading up. So, by the way, he can't even speak. Number two, he doesn't even know what he's saying. But what I'm getting from this 
is that you now will get a ballot to your house. That's what's going to count. So it's not a hybrid model. Listen to this. If you vote in person, you'll have to do what we call a provisional voting because the folks won't necessarily know at the voting location whether or not you actually already mailed in a ballot. And that's what we did in the primary. A little bit more cumbersome. This No wonder president's going crazy on this. This is built for corruption and inaccuracy. We're not going to know who really won the Senate or the House or the White House. Joe is listening on WABC in New York City. Hey, Joe. Hey, good morning. Uh, to comment briefly on the uh, UAE deal or United Arab Emirates yep. deal with Israel and uh, the peace treaty that they signed, or just, uh, well, not peace treaty, but recognition of yes, each other's yes. embassies. Now, you know, basically with regards to the Palestinian issue, uh, there's a growing movement. I mean, it's primarily on the left. Uh, but it's gaining traction worldwide. It's called a BDS movement, the Boycott, Divestiture, and Sanctions movement. And it has the potential uh, to really put a, a very severe uh, economic impact on the Israeli economy and actually bring them to the table to actually have some sort of accommodation with the Palestinians for a two-party, sta- a two-state solution. Uh, because as it stands now, uh, the United States uh, looks very uh, how can I say heavy-handed or tendentious in favor of Israel and abandoning the two-state solution, which, which is the most feasible way to actually uh, mm-hmm. achieve a lasting peace in the Middle East. But we're not doing that right now. Hey, Joe, that, actually, thanks for the uh, call. You, you have a real uh, a real bad line, but I get to just what you're saying. The BDS movement is remarkably unpopular with the American people, and that is one of the fears if the Democrats win everything. The BDS movement is led by the squad. It's led by people who support the squad. And even though you think they're not going to have a big role in the DNC and they're not going to have a big role because Barack Obama doesn't really talk a lot about him and he's the rock star on the left, they will have their voices heard. And believe me, Bernie Sanders is Jewish, but he is not pro-Israel. And those are the types of movements supported in America will be like a freight train running over Israel. Keep in mind, Barack Obama led one of the most anti-Israel administrations ever. Joe Biden can say whatever he wants, but he was part of it. And this administration fixed it. That BDS movement is a real danger. You are right about that, Joe. Terry, listen to WDBO in Orlando. Terry. Hey, um, Brian, I'd just like to say I don't know what um, what uh, pollster said that he was behind by 7 percent in Florida. Fox News. I will tell you. Well, OK, well, Fox News is wrong because I live in Florida and I was just in Orange County, which is Orlando, last weekend. It's very liberal. I've had my Trump mask, my Trump hat, my Trump shirt, my Trump phone, my Trump bracelet. All I got was positive feedback, and the young Hispanic lady at Publix, young woman who checked me out, she's probably about 25 to 28, she said, ma'am, I really love your hat. I think that he is doing a fantastic job for everyone, and we are paying attention. Well, the distance is about the same as against Hillary. We know him better now. Uh, The question is you should ask people is when you see a Trump supporter, great. Ask him who they voted for last time and if they changes their vote this time. So if he tries, if he can get over that 45 percent and especially in Florida, he's not going to win anything if he doesn't win Florida. I mean, the fact that he's trailing in Ohio on most polls shows me that they're not polling correctly. There's no way he's losing Ohio. 
He's yeah, up. No. I think he's up within a point in Arizona. People worried about that in North Carolina, too. So far, he is closer in Pennsylvania than he was against Hillary Clinton. Michigan is somewhat of a problem for him, and I'm not really sure why, except for that abysmal governor. Uh, thanks so much, Terry. So that's good to know. The anecdotal information that there is a silent voter out there for Trump. Uh, let's go to um, let's go to Richard. Listen on WHIO in Dayton. Hey, Richard. Hey, Brian. How you doing, bud? Good. Hey, uh, I just I, I do power line restoration, and I just spent over a week on Long Island and talked to dozens of homeowners there in those million dollar homes with thirty thousand dollar year property tax. And I wore a Trump hat the whole time when I didn't have a hard hat on. And they all, they would whisper, like that lady you were talking talking about earlier, they wouldn't say it out loud because they didn't want to get stoned, but they all support Trump. I think it's going to be another Walter Mondale. I think he wins 47 states. I really do. He'll lose California. He'll lose maybe Oregon and Washington. But I think he still has a chance with New York. I know they talked about it earlier. I mean, it's, it, it's, the, the support is out there. It's out there. They just are, like you said, they're afraid that they're going to be stoned to death if they put a truck sign in their yard, you know. It's interesting because because New York, Long Island is dramatically different. And by the way, uh, tough storm. Uh, It was really hard uh, getting over that. Thanks for helping out here. But New York is is a tough haul, but it's so dramatically different. You go out to the Hamptons, much different than Suffolk County, much different than upstate New York. But upstate New York is really owned by the right. Uh, It's New York City that might have evacuated enough that Trump has a chance. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. From New York City and heard around the country and heard around the world, this is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Bottom of the hour, you're going to hear um, from a very special guest. Uh, he is Scott Lebedo, and he is he's an artist, a conservative artist, and he painted this thin blue line uh, through Staten Island. And he was told by the city, you don't have a permit, you can't do it. And he contrasted that, and he said, wait a second, uh, didn't the mayor plant uh, Black Lives Matter in the middle of the street? Uh, well, it was special. That was a special situation. It was to, to match the moment. you believe that? So he's going to court and suing the city for a billion dollars and refuses to paint over it. You're going to meet Scott. And he's also having a rally, uh, a red, white, and blue rally in New York City. So we'll talk about that. In New York, what a, what a disaster it is. 13,000 apartments lay empty in Manhattan, a 14-year high. Uh, we have a retail store. Rumors are that Macy's has told... Uh, the building that they're moving out. Can you imagine? Not, no New York, New York City without Macy's. The Macy's Day Parade will not be the Macy's Day Parade. That's how bad retail's getting, although retail sales do go up about 1%. So uh, I'm going to get to Shannon Bream, but first let's get to the big three. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Uh, That is the President of the United States in a surprise announcement, but an impactful one. UAE joins Jordan and Egypt in establishing relations with Israel. It's amazing how extensive the media went to not credit the president for this deal. What this has to do with Iran and other Middle East nations likely to join the peace parade, we'll let you know. 
The sad reality is no one has done more to set back New York City than Donald Trump because he failed New York City and he failed America with his handling of the coronavirus. Yeah, if anybody's a professional failure, it is the guy that's just speaking now, Mayor de Blasio. No one buys that. Law and disorder. Americans getting fed up with the urban unrest and they know exactly who's to blame. And it's not the police. Over 50 percent say it's time to crack down on rioters as cities decide to refund the police. I'll go over those cities. Meanwhile, clueless politicians in Austin and Portland join New York and many others in cutting cops in budgets. How does this play out for your safety and the election? Every single American should be wearing a mask when they're outside for the next three months at a minimum. So let's institute a mask mandate nationwide starting immediately and we will save lives. Such an inspirational speaker. Uh, politics and the pandemic. Biden plays president, except for the part when you have to actually answer questions, if you're really going to play like that, and take questions from the press. Why is the press not demanding that? What he said and the state of the virus and the campaign next. So we're, we're rating uh, right now the president of the United States is going to be heading out to his golf club uh, this weekend, but it's all going to be about the election uh, plotting and planning. Let's bring in Shannon Bream. She's going to uh, host her show any minute now, right, Shannon? Yeah, this is a 24-hour, uh, you know, preparation process. It's never not preparing for the show. Always right now. So I feel like I watched you 10 minutes ago because I watched the replay heading into work. We'll listen to it on uh, on Sirius. But, uh, Shannon, are you heading to the DNC? Uh, no, I believe zero of us are heading to the DNC. It's so strange because, I mean, listen, the conventions are exhausting and crazy, uh, but we love them. I mean, I do. I don't know about you. I mean, I think it's fun to be there and to – um, whether it's the DNC or RNC, um, it's a spectacle. It's a you know, it's an American tradition. So I hope that what's happening this year doesn't mean they're gone for good. Right. Uh, what do you think the impact is going to be in day one with Kasich, Michelle Obama, and Bernie Sanders? What are we supposed to get from that? I don't know. I think you lose something um, from either convention when there's no crowd there. You know, <laughs> it's the dropping the balloons and the thousands of people in there. Um, I think they're both going to feel a little weird, like they're going to lose some of the excitement. And listen, I think that, um, you know, there are people who love or hate John Kasich because of what he is doing now. Um, so it's going to be strange. I mean, it's it's a whole different energy when you're there and you have thousands of people packed into one of these arenas. Um, I don't know what it's going to be like this year. It's going to be, uh, I guess they're trying to show a sense of unity. The biggest story for me is AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, an icon on the left, the the rising star at 30 years old and whose new Green Deal has been embraced by most of the party, especially Bernie Sanders. And she supported Bernie Sanders, and that helped him stay number one for quite some time. She went from not being on the agenda to getting one one-minute pre-recorded speech. What's going on here? Well, you know, be the voice now for your party is she speaking for your party. Um, a lot of them freak out, like, no, she's she's one young woman. She's a first-term congresswoman, and she's got some great energy, but she doesn't speak for the party. So I think they're trying to make it literally that she does not speak for the party. Uh, she has grabbed all the headlines and pulled things away from Nancy Pelosi and the old guard and the establishment. Um, and so, listen, I think they know they have to include her voice. They just don't want to give her an hour to talk about her stuff. Uh, I guess so. Uh, right now with the, the civil unrest, that's what you've been covering almost every night. Now, I mm-hmm. think in Portland, they are saying to the state cops are saying we're no longer going to watch the federal buildings. If they pull mm-hmm. out, 
Does Trump put his federal agents back in? I think he's got to think about that. This is a federal property. This is a courthouse where federal uh, cases are heard and judges and staff are working and that need to be protected. Um, that was the deal. They said, listen, we will pull out. You bring in your state um, police. But what the state police are saying, what they announced last night was, you guys are not prosecuting. The local county prosecutor there is not prosecuting the testing, committing violent actions at the federal courthouse. If you're not going to prosecute those cases, why are we over here risking life and limb to arrest these people and take them in? But the local county um, prosecutor there has talked about the fact that we have to protect free speech. This is a moment in time, which is, yes, 100 percent true. There is a First Amendment. It's when the people who are trying to do something peacefully are overtaken by what we've seen. I mean, we're almost 80 nights in Portland now in a row of often violent confrontations, um, officers being pelted, buildings being set on fire. You saw the videos last week of the older women who tried to protect their neighborhood. Um, you know, it's just they have paint poured on them. They're attacked by the uh, or assaulted, you know, by the people who are saying this isn't your world anymore. This isn't your neighborhood anymore. Uh, I don't know how long you can let that go. If they back off, which was the deal that they would protect the federal building, I, I think that the president um, and DOJ are going to have to really think about the marshal service what they do, because that's their obligation is to protect those federal buildings and the employees there. I always like to inspire hope, and you try to do the same thing. And here's what I think our audience should feel better about. The refund the police movement in certain cities is catching fire. Fort Worth, Texas, the 2021 budget, uh, they added millions to the cop budget. Houston, Texas, they passed a budget of $20 million next year. Uh, they, they, have, they have $20 million next year for policing. Uh, out of 964 million, the San Antonio has put up eight more million in uh, Missoula, Montana, improved Charlotte, North Carolina, adding uh, as well as Des Moines, Honolulu, Manchester and Washington. But that doesn't stop Portland, Seattle and Chicago, Minneapolis and New York from cutting. I'm wondering how this plays out in November 3rd, because it's remarkable, Shannon, how few other shows at your hour, not that I flip around a lot are covering any of these riots. Yeah, and and the fact that we, uh, you know, as a network, report on them and show videos and pictures of them and share reporters on the ground there, um, we are accused of somehow fomenting or representing something that's not accurate, but we're just letting people see with their own eyes what's actually happening there. Um, We don't want it to be worse than it is. I mean, these are American cities. These are American, our our fellow citizens. I mean, we we want them to be safe and have, you know, good governance and be able to get along and that kind of thing. Um, But I think that people will now have a way to vote. I mean, they can vote literally at the ballot box, absentee mail-in, whatever you want to argue about that. But they can vote with their tax dollars and with their feet, too. And I think that um, there are businesses who say, listen, I can't rebuild here. There's no reason for me to rebuild in this downtown city where people are looting and, and blowing. And you have in Minneapolis now where people are getting trying to get permits to rebuild where there was such destruction saying – they're being told um, you have to pay your taxes first, your business taxes, uh, before you can get a permit to start to rebuild. And the people are saying, because you didn't protect me and you didn't send in police or National Guard, I have no business. I have no business income to pay you 
these taxes so that I can, you know, rebuild my business. I think people will leave. We've heard that in a number of cities that people are saying, I'm out. You know, up there in your neck of the woods in the New York area, we have moving companies telling us they cannot keep up with the demand because people are so anxious to get out of there. So people will vote at the ballot box, but they're also going to vote with their dollars in some of these cities, I think, um, in a real way that will permanently change the tax base. Go get them, Shannon. Good luck tonight. And you had a great uh, series of shows this week. Keep it up. Thank you. See you later. Go get them. one 866 I'll come back with a full slate of calls. But just so you know how bad things are getting in the city, uh, people are scared to walk the street. They're moving out not because they want a quality of life that's better. They want a quality of life that's safe. And if you walk around and can't go to the Gap and you know buy some jeans and you can't go into a restaurant and have a dinner – and you have to. You can't go grab a drink without buying a meal. And then you can't go work out in the gym. And your job says don't come back, work from home. Why would you pay these prices to go to Chicago, New York, or, or Los Angeles? The answer is you wouldn't. It's accelerating the push to work remotely. These businesses are saying I don't have to pay my people to come in. Uh, and I can't blame them. And I'm not. I'm wondering how many even are going to come back in December. You listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. Your calls are next. Can you imagine if just once that's what a coronavirus briefing from the White House came across like? Joe Biden and Kamala Harris made very clear today the difference between them and the current administration when it comes to the pandemic. What good leaders do is they are consistent in their public health messaging and they uh, say it over and over again and then they model it. And that's what Vice President Biden is doing. Biden and Harris just came out and did, I think, what a lot of people expected Trump to do, expected a normal president would do in a situation like this. Senator Harris put it perfectly. This is what leadership looks like. Welcome back. Uh, some sad news, and that is uh, some of the other networks covering the mock I'm pretend I'm president press conference where the press doesn't answer questions yesterday with Kamala Harris and Joe Biden. As they said, everyone should wear a mask. I'm going to make everybody wear a mask for three months because 40 percent of uh, the 40,000 people will live. Nobody knows where he got that stat from. No one knows what happens after three months. Uh, three months, really? Uh, in New York, we're wearing masks. It's been no problem. In Montana, on a ranch, you're wearing a mask. You're at home, you're wearing a mask. I don't think so. So it, it was definitely begged for questions, but he never got them. And by the way, some sad news. Robert Trump, who I've met, he lives in uh, Westchester, New York, has been hospitalized in New York. And it's so bad, it's so serious that the president will be coming here shortly to visit his brother in the hospital. So I don't know if this is coronavirus related. He's 72, the youngest brother in the family. We know the oldest one passed away and he does have a sister. Uh, So Kelly McEnany confirmed that Robert was hospitalized. That was in a statement. So we'll keep an eye on him. Robert's a great guy. Very big into soccer. Very big into family. Big supporter of his brother. I remember I went to one of the both finales of The Apprentice that I went to. He was in the audience. Tom was on WBUN in Georgia. Hey, Tom. Hey, Brian. How are you? Good. What's in your mind? Okay, so it doesn't matter the issue, whether it's um, gun rights, gun control, the coronavirus, foreign policy. You take any issue. The right, the conservatives, allow facts to inform their feelings. The left do just the opposite. They let their feelings inform what they think are facts. And I think that's an important distinction in this whole situation between, you know, with the upcoming election and any issue you want to talk about. Yeah, I mean, they say that, uh, 
you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they say, well, the conservatives were all online pulling out all these theories and these conspiracies. And that's why they got to crack down on social media. And I go, not really. I mean, to me, you don't need there is no other side to Chicago violence. There's no other side to Portland violence, Seattle violence. There's you know, if you want to do a mandate. Of masks, I don't know. They always tell tell me that Donald Trump's this dictator, this guy that just wants to be in charge. He's trying to assume so much power. He gives power to the states, and they say he's not leading. Then you have Joe Biden, who knows how to do this. He wants to do a mandate for things like masks and social distancing. Really? These governors have a say in that. And you go tell a Democratic governor in Pennsylvania or Montana exactly how to treat his population. They've been educated. We get this. Thanks so much. I mean, I I do think, I mean, to say that all Republicans spend all their time in facts and Democrats in fantasy, that's partisan. That's how we're doing here. Uh, You might, the president's known as an extremist. They'll say everybody, everybody in the left is corrupt. Everybody in the right is fighting in the right direction. Mitt Romney is um, X, Y, and Z, and he's got his enemies. But there's nuance to it. But I do think on purely on the issues, Republicans win. On let's go back to normalcy class where the world likes us. The world never will like us. They didn't like us before. China certainly didn't like us. Uh, Russia was taking advantage of us. Our allies were taking advantage of us. And this president comes in. He could not care how many people like him. He actually made better friends with Mexico than he did with Canada. Melissa listening on the app in Wilmington, Delaware. Melissa. Hi. Hi, Brian. How are you? Thank you so much for your time. I just have two points I'd like to discuss, one being requirements for the job and two, the mail-in ballots. The first, one of the requirements of being the president is a four-year term. And when you have a person interviewing for a job and says, quote, I'm an old guy, I don't know if I'll make it. I got to get somebody strong enough to take over. I'm a transitional, well, I'm a transitional figure. I mean, my, I think my resume would get shredded after I walked out of the interview. So what are people seeing? I don't understand, and that's a whole other question. But then with well, the you know, I can answer that, Melissa. They're seeing anybody Please but Trump. Don't. They're seeing anybody but Trump. I, it's, it's, it's insane. And then the mail-in ballots, well, they have, for kids in school, the model, A through L, last name, go to school two days, M through Z, go to school two days. They wash down in between. Why don't they do the voting that way? I mean, it would take longer than the normal one-day voting, but it would take two or three days to find out who the president is rather than waiting two or three weeks and then having to go through the court system to figure it out. Democrats won't like that because you'd have to have a photo ID for your last name. It's unbelievable that we have to debate voter ID. It's unbelievable that people are willing to accept mail-in ballots flooded into your state. The ninth state to do it is New Jersey. It could even work for Joe Biden's benefit to do this right and do your idea, Melissa, over this ridiculous flood the zone with ballots, just assuming people are in the same place over the last two years when I think most people move every two years. It's insane. What about the college kid that said school? Who's going to take care of his ballot? I have an idea. I think I will vote for my son or daughter who happens to be a sophomore at Auburn. So why would anyone want this? It's a shame. It's a shame. And God help us all. That's all I got to say. I'm very proud to be a Republican. I'm very proud to be an American. But my God help us for what's to come. Thanks so much, Melissa. I think uh, this thing is a lot. There's a lot of innings left in this game. Howard, listening in North Carolina. Howard. 
Hey, Brian. I'm uh, from Omaha, but in North Carolina, where last Sunday, I believe it was, the poor five-year-old was killed yes. on the bike. The five-year-old happened to be white. The, the uh, perpetrator happened to be black. If We all know that if that had been reversed, there would be cities burning. There would and be. And we would be being accused of not caring, but... But it's very harmful to the nation. We'll never come together. We have to come together to get anywhere. Right, Howard, and just for everyone to know, that that five-year-old rode his bike on that person's lawn. So this guy shot him dead. Do you believe it? And it was his neighbor. Nuts. That is correct. And if you do vote in person, you'll have to do what we call provisional voting because the folks won't necessarily know at the voting location whether or not you actually already mailed a ballot in. That's what we did in the primary a little bit more cumbersome, mm-hmm. but it works. That is a little of Governor Murphy's remarks to CNN this morning of New Jersey, where he's going all mail-in ballot. Unbelievably irresponsible. He's just had a nightmare on a primary. They couldn't come to a conclusion over in northern New Jersey. We saw what happened in New York. There's been was problems in California already. There was on these uh, special elections. And now he's going to mail everybody a ballot like they did in Nevada. And he says, if you show up in person, you could fill out a ballot because we don't know if you voted or not by mail or if we counted it. Can you believe that? Provisionals in case of a uh, so too close to call. Now, you might say, well, President Trump's not going to win Rhode Island, which he had a problem with. He's not going to win New Jersey. Uh, okay, he's not. Okay, I'll give you that. But there's congressional elections there that matter a lot. And they could have the balance of power in the House. And there's a lot of there's a lot of pockets in New Jersey, Allison, you would know better, that are conservative. There's somebody extremely liberal. It's the, the state is huge. It's very dense, not huge, but very dense, yeah. But no, I mean, even um, down the Jersey Shore, I have never seen more Trump flags in my life. Or like any political party flags, but I mean the Trump flags are out in full force. Right, and they do they deliver. Uh, uh, they deliver. Uh, for example, Jeff Van Drew, he just switched parties, but he's going to be in a close election because he was in a moderate district. It was Democrat. He said, "I don't agree with Democrats. I'm flipping a Republican." I mean, my goodness, if you're not counting ballots there, that could really cost you. Especially who's counting the ballots. And then what? When Trump went down in his district, it was the turnout was record breaking, unbelievable. So. Um, let, let me just take a quick call. Uh, Gloria, listen on WABC in Clark, New Jersey. Gloria, does this bother you, these mail-in ballots? Brian, can you hear me? Good yes. morning. Yeah, does this bother you? you? No, I'm good. Uh, but, Brian, I'm sick from this. I, I'm going to repeat exactly what you just said. How could the president win in New Jersey with mail-in ballots? And you just said it yourself. There are a lot of people in New Jersey that are supporting him. There's flags all over. My husband said he rode home from uh, Ocean County last night. He saw Trump signs on all the, la- the lawns. And, and you know that people are afraid to even say that they're for Trump. I can't believe that this state couldn't possibly turn. And you know that by doing this mail-in, he doesn't stand a chance. And I feel very very bad for Van Drew, too. He did a lot of work to try to get that vote in, in South Jersey, and they won't give it to him. Once they get a Biden count, they'll stop counting the votes here. Unbelievable. Uh, I, Gloria, I wish you were wrong. Can we like, oppose this? Is there no way to oppose this? Well, I'll tell you, they did know they sued Rhode Island, and right, they lost. The Rhode Island can make their decision. they got to sue Nevada, too. But I think Biden— if Biden's so worried about the sanctity of the election, he should push back on this. But I think Trump has got to get on the offensive, admit that this too. is going to be different, and admit that yeah. we're going to need more time to vote. So people that might be concerned, they might be in their 70s, they're worried about uh, something might be underlined they don't know about, they might have had go through cancer treatment, but they feel fine now. Should I go down and vote? So let's provide an additional place for them to vote. I don't care if it's 
uh, walk-up trailers. I don't care if it's converting additional grammar schools, National Guards, and some of them. Let's do, I, I, we had a great caller before, uh, and my town's doing the same thing. Uh, a through uh, L is going to school two days a week. Uh, Monday and Wednesday. The other one's going Tuesday, Thursday. I don't know what they're doing on Friday, the other half of the alphabet. Why can't we do that with voting? Who would probably who would have a problem with that? And you know if you have an underlying condition and you care about this election, put the time in to ask for an absentee ballot. But you can't flood the zone. In apartment buildings and houses, you're not even sure if people live there anymore. Uh, I appreciate that. Let's go to Lori listening on, Fo- on Fox Nation in South Dakota. Lori. Hello, I am listening on Fox Nation. Thank you very much, and you're seeing us too. I am, I am. I love your show. I love your show, and I love Fox and Friends in the morning. Um, I'll tell you, I never got into politics until Trump won, honestly. My husband listened all the time, but I just didn't, really wasn't interested. But um, I was growing up in the Midwest, Iowa, and now South Dakota, and I just, we're just true Trump supporters out here. Um, I saw something on Facebook that I wanted you guys to maybe check out. It was a huge boat parade, Trump boat parade, in the city of Okaboji, Iowa. And it had over a thousand boats with flags all over. Yeah, they were everywhere. I mean, I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're being pulled out on the water. But, uh, Allison, you see him in New Jersey. I saw, I, when I was in Montauk, Long Island, they were there. On Long Island, it was, and, and there was one happening in Florida when I was there. Uh, it was taking place. I'm just yep. missing them wherever they go. Plus, I'm not participating yeah. in old, any political yeah. events. But We were in um, Hill City, South Dakota recently, and there's pop-up tents, Trump pop-up tents for shopping everywhere. And it's just huge. So and I'll tell you what, I'm keeping an eye on your here. governor. Your governor is a, yeah. a rising political star. Thanks so yeah. much, Lori. I appreciate your passion and for getting – that's a lot of me. That's five straight hours, six hours, and I'm going to be an outnumbered. That's really going to test your loyalty uh, at the top of the hour. Hey, uh, let's find out if there's more to know. Let's listen to Reggie Cannon. Reggie Cannon of the Dallas FC, upset because guess what? Fans were booing both teams for taking a knee during the national anthem. Uh, let's hear what Reggie Cannon had to say. I think it was disgusting. I think it was absolutely disgusting. You, you got fans booing you for people taking a stand for what they believe in when millions of other people support this cause. We asked for no anthem because we don't feel it was right for the anthem to be played at this moment. They ignored our wishes. So we, we were going to kneel regardless if the anthem was played or not. But unfortunately, it was played during these times where we asked for an anthem not to be played, and it pissed me off that you can't even have support from your own fans in your own stadium. Right. But, to me. So this guy is so clueless. Evidently, he's one of their best players. So he's allowed to demonstrate against the country, but the country can't boo him for doing that in his own nation, in Texas. I'm embarrassed to be a soccer player. I'm embarrassed to have worked in the MLS. Shouldn't he be embarrassed? He doesn't even realize how hypocritical he sounds. What an idiot. idiot. What a clown. Next, a new survey finds the majority of Republican students expect to self-censor in class this fall to avoid upsetting others. But Democratic students uh, don't feel the same. Here's the stat. According to a poll uh, by College Pulse, 54 percent of college students who are Republican, they're going to keep their mouth shut. Only 15 percent of Democrats. 
How unbelievable is that and emblematic of what these what these campuses are made of? Well, exactly. But also, I mean, doesn't that also just play in normal life? I feel like that's how most people act regardless. Uh, I think so, too. I, I don't think I think most people are censoring themselves. But who knows? Next, economists are proposing reparations. How to make this make sense? Uh, remember, of course, we're talking about 1860, uh, 1865 uh, when slaves were freed. And now they want to get uh, all African-Americans, many of which would don't date back to America in that time. They are going to get, I think, $800,000 per family. The University of Darty, this university professor, his name is William Darty Jr., and his wife, Kristen Mullen, co-authored the report at the Roosevelt Institute arguing the U.S. government should pay systematic reparations for slavery. An estimated payments will be close to $12 trillion. An ABC News poll found that 73% of people think the federal government should not pay money back to black Americans, and about one in eight white Americans support reparations compared to three-quarters of black Americans. Democrats are split, 54% in favor, 45% opposed. Um, We can't afford this. We have to move on from this. We should not even entertain this. I appreciate race relations and discussions. That should not be in it. And even regardless if you agree or not, how do you implement it? How do you decide? I think they're giving all these families. And what about if your mom's black and your dad's white? Uh, what about if you just came here? What if you do have relatives date back to slavery? Uh, what about if you I, – I, it's impossible. My point exactly. Next. All right. The August 10th report, COVID-19 crisis, has wiped out nearly half of black small businesses. Nationally representative data on small business indicate that the number of active business owners fell by 22% between February and April, the largest drop on record. Black businesses smell, uh, had a 41% drop. Latin business owners, a 32% drop, and Asians, a 26 This has been brutal all around, but I had no idea minority communities the most. No, I agree. Did you see the video, actually, they played it on Tucker of the um, Asian business owner down in Chinatown in New York just, you know, telling de Blasio, you are crushing us. You killed us on, the, like, um, New Year and everything. He just walks away. He could not care less. He said, remember, when asked— when people are leaving, doesn't matter, we'll get more people. When asked about billionaires staying, I am against what the governor's doing. We should not coerce people. We should tax them more. Have a, almost a billionaire pandemic tax. Clueless clown destroying city as is, as this other mayor of Chicago. Incredible. So that's more to know. When we come back, uh, you're going to hear from a conservative artist who wants to black law enforcement. Nothing against Black Lives Matter, but paint a blue line. They want him to remove it. He is suing the city, suing the city for a billion dollars. He says, I'm going to give it to all those businesses being held hostage, like gym owners in New York, like restaurants that can't open up and let people eat inside, destroying their occupation, their living, their careers. I'm Brian Kilmeade. See that number at the top of the hour, but back in a moment. you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. 
A Staten Island artist has been ordered to remove a blue line that he's painted in support of the NYPD. Artifice, art, or rather artist and activist Scott Lebedo painted the blue line along a divider outside the 122nd Precinct Station House in New Dorp last week. But the DOT sent him a cease and desist letter saying the line has to go and that he had not been authorized to paint it. Local news account of what's happening has become a national story. Scott Lobedo is a fantastic artist, and he has a message for New York City officials. He told them uh, uh, there's another case besides Black Lives Matter. There's legitimate issues in our country for blacks and whites, absolutely, and equality, let's work on it. But when you do BL and Black Lives Matter in front of Trump Tower, it's it spurred a guy named Scott Lobedo to go ahead, he's from Staten Island, and do a blue line in a salute for those men in blue and women in blue who work for America's finest, uh, NYPD. And Scott Lobedo joins us now. Hey, Scott. Hey, Brian. How you doing, my friend? <clears throat> I'm, so, I'm so glad you did this, and I'm so glad you're not quitting. Uh, you went ahead and did what? Um, I just, as an artist, <clears throat> I do a lot of public art and uh, obviously very pro-American stuff, you know, um, and I just decided to, uh, you know, paint this blue, thin, beautiful blue line right down the medium in the middle of the street in front of this uh, precinct that's in my community, where I have, I have a lot of family members that are actually out of that precinct, as well as others. This is this kind of community, uh, Staten Island, where we do support our police department. And I have never seen <clears throat> a police department, not only here in, in this city, but across the country, yep. at such a low morale. And it's because of leaders like mayor who, by the way, Brian, I love your passionate disgust for this mayor. <laughs> I thought I was the only one, but I uh, heard you this morning. I'm you like, equal me. You equal me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was just something simple. And again, it's not a political. I do a lot of political art. I do all kinds of things. But this was not a political message. This is just a blue line to show that, hey, you know, you guys are in the gutter right now, and it's disgusting. And we're here, the community. I'm speaking for the community when I put that blue line down. I'm the artist. I could, you know, I could take these chances. Unfortunately, a lot of regular working people can't because, the, you know, the First Amendment doesn't apply to them, whether you're a cop or a fireman or something. They're not allowed to say what they want to say on Facebook and social media. So I'm the guy that represents them with my art. You did. And Ryan, it was, it was just a beautiful thing, and then... All hell breaks loose. Oh, you can't do that. Well, what do you mean? I mean, this, they sent me this letter. Uh, you guys uh, put, put it on uh, the air. Uh, I unveiled this giant banner of uh, de Blasio over the Staten Island Expressway with him as uh, wearing a Che Guevara shirt, holding the severed head of the Statue of Liberty, which representing he severing the head of the greatest city in the world. And it was the next morning, Brian, that I received the cease and desist letter. <clears throat> So it was obviously selective, uh, you know, enforcement because uh, the mayor, now that we know he admitted it, he did not have a permit to put his blue line, his, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter um, art down and, 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 and provocatively. In and and Scott, Tower. so he just did that. And he said, well, this is a special time in America. I have special rules, but everybody else needs a permit. Have you ever heard such idiocy in your life? You can't have a double standard as a mayor. And you sat there with your wife and you painted in the road to send a message to a guy that doesn't live there anymore. Same thing happened in D.C. And they put to fund the police right next to Black Lives Matter. So to go show you, it's not a huge leap. So 
They want you to get rid of the blue line. Are you? Absolutely. 110% no. I refuse. Let them come. I have a lawyer. We sent them back the letter. You know, I did a public spe- uh, uh, response to the letter telling them where they could stick that letter because you just can't select me. There's thousands. Of, they have thousands of people on videotape desecrating with graffiti all over public property. Did they get a cease and desist letter? No. Not one of them. Not one of them, Brian. Did who cleaned up that artwork? They want me to clean mine up. But did any of these people clean it up? No. The city, the taxpayers cleaned it up. So, I so, so Scott, again, what I want to do yeah. is sue for, you know, one billion dollars with a B. And why that number? Because I want to get back that billion dollars that he and his wife just made vanish. OK, and if not, I'll, I'll hand it well, back. Because, to the Scott, you got to reframe that for people outside. We're national. So for people outside New York, his wife got a billion dollars for what? Oh, for some uh, organization, I think it was called Thrive. Was that what it's called? Yeah, Thrive New York. And nothing happened with the money. The money's just gone. The program fell apart. And there was no outrage. Outside the New York Post writing a few things, nobody covered this. Listen, it's a shame. But let me tell you something, Brian. The people of this city are fired up. And again, people have been reaching out to me, Scott, you got to do something. What are we going to do? So I said, okay, I know you're angry. I can feel it now. I'm having the rally of rallies. It's Saturday, the 22nd of August at 12 o'clock at City Hall Park. Okay. And what is this for? This isn't pro anything. This isn't anti anything. This isn't a conservative rally or a liberal rally. This is for you, the school teacher, the, the parent who wants their kids back to school, the cop, the retired cop, the business owner, that Muslim guy who owns that little deli who's getting screwed by this mayor. This is across the board. This is for you people to come and express your grievances. You don't understand how big this is getting, Brian. It's August 22nd, mm-hmm. Saturday. You people have to be there. I'm pumping in $60,000 for staging and everything, security. This is the moment where you come out. Now, I want you to go to my website to learn more. Sign up, people. This is about you, scottlobato.com. Please, this is your one time to fight this. I got words I can't say, obviously. Here's the spelling of your last name, L-O-B-A-I-D-O, scottlobato.com. Uh, he's an artist who wants to just support the men and women in blue. The blowback's been tremendous, but he's not taking it lying down. He's going to sue for a billion dollars, and it's to try to get that billion back in the coffers that the mayor's wife lost. Can you imagine that? Scott, thanks so much. I love your passion, love your cause, love your art. Don't let anyone plow over it. Scott Lebedo, thank you. Thanks, Brian. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Always a lot of action. Today, no exception. Watch me on Outnumbered. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.